Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about an important subject. We've talked about it before, but it's worth coming back to because it's all about resilience. Well, listeners, we come back to this often because it's one of the most asked about topics yes. when we get on a school campus, college, yeah. high school, middle school. It, it just seems like Angela Duckworth's research is being played out in front of our eyes. Angela, of course, is at University of Pennsylvania. She came up with a grit scale. Yes. And one big meta finding, which is not a shocker, is that we today are less gritty than our grandparents' generation mm. was. And it seems to be getting less and less. Well, you and I have often explained this. Well, look at the conveniences of our world. We yep. don't need grit as much. Yep. We have another option. Uh, we're on demand, instant access, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it's often merely a, an example of us just not having experience with doing yeah. hard things or That's sticking right. through with something. Yeah. So it's not that the human spirit can't be resilient. It's just sometimes we won't. Yeah. So I, I got to be honest with you, Andrew. You and I were just <laughs> ch- talking about this. I have some... Uh, ungritty stories from my childhood. We probably all do, Yes, we do. So one that I distinctly remember, when I was in middle school, I desperately wanted to play the drums. Yep. So I was in in the, the choir, the chorus, and I wanted to be a drummer because drummers were cool. Of course, yeah. yeah. So I told my mom, I want to be a drummer. I want to, we need to get a drum set. I want to get drum lessons. And she talked to some people that knew music and she said, I, I think you need to take a year of piano before you start playing the drums, seriously. I said, piano, what's piano got to do with drums? You know, I I was 12 or something. But the bottom line, she made me take a year of piano. Well, I am sad to say, I eke my way through the year. And at the end of the year, I decided, I really didn't want to play drums that bad. Yeah, drums are not worth the piano and all the things I have to do. Exactly. I quit. I quit early. So, but now what, now here, this is kind of funny to me. When I think about any positive resilient stories from my life, listeners, you probably identify with this as well. I um, was living in San Diego, California, going to high school, and Janice was my girlfriend at the time. Okay. And um, I rode my bike up Fletcher Parkway, which is a long, mile-long hill. Okay. I rode uphill for a mile. Do I sound like your grandpa now? <laughs> you do. Was yeah. it both ways uphill? <laughs> Yeah, but but the point was, Janice was waiting for me at the top uh-huh, with her yep, bike. Yep. Her mom didn't trust me to drive the car to drive her to school. So even after I got my license, I could have driven to school. It would have been easier. Yeah. But I had grit because, you know, there was yep. a goal. You were like, at the no top car, that's fine. I will still that's take right. her to school. <laughs> that's right. So incentive has a lot to do with how much resilience we have. And sometimes that's where we need to do better. But Andrew, I want to turn this around today. Okay. You typically have interviewed me or we've interviewed a guest on this uh, podcast. I want to interview you because you were sharing with me some stories you dug up that are just powerful stories from the emerging generation. These are young people that we look at and go, it can be done. So do you mind if I just, I'd love to just toss this your way. And listeners, we do this today, especially in the aftermath of the COVID-19 pandemic. I guess we're not quite even in the aftermath. It's yeah, still around. Yeah. But um, we have got to tell stories to our students about students who've exhibited grit in past generations. Yeah. I think it's one of the most heartening things we can do. Just when you start feeling despair as a maybe a 15, 16-year-old kid, 
to hear, oh, no, 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 this can be done. Yeah. Look what happened here. Look what happened there. And suddenly they have a picture of what it could look like. Absolutely. So, anyway, let's dig in. Go, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I was, all I was going to say is, you know, there are so many stories of resilience, exactly what, what you're talking about. In fact, I uncovered five amazing ones, uh, and we're going to give them to you. In fact, we're going to put the links to these stories in the show notes so that you can actually tell them and show them to your students. But sadly for me, the journey began by experiencing so many students who are not exhibiting resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you and I actually uh, regularly have the honor of standing in front of uh, premier athletes all over the country, especially yeah. at D1 collegiate yeah. uh, programs. And it's amazing when we uh, spend time with them to see how hard they work for success in their sport. But uh, I read a statistic recently that um, brought up an idea, right? It's, it's sort of like a, an earworm that got in my head. And all yeah. of a sudden I'm thinking, uh, it's possible, I think, that even though these are the most premier athletes in the country, yeah. they may not actually be the most talented athletes mm -hmm. in the country. Mm -hmm. Okay. Here, here was the stat that I found. Up to 70% of child athletes give up on their sport before the age of 13. Yeah. Up to 70%. Yeah. And for a lot of those kids, it was probably because, like, I never really liked football yeah. to begin with. My know? dad wanted me to play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. But for so many, um, I, I want to ask the question, uh, why did they give up? Mm -hmm. And maybe it wasn't because they weren't talented enough to do it, but rather because they just didn't come through on those promises. Maybe there was too much pressure, right? Parents are making a big deal uh, of their success. Maybe it's their coach who's putting pressure on them and the sport hasn't become fun anymore. But no matter what the reason, I see uh, a major problem here, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, sure, some of those kids are quitting for very good reasons, but I wonder yeah. how many of them are stepping away simply because resilience isn't there and yeah. they're not able to follow through. I think you're onto something, Andrew. I remember being friends with Jeff Robinson who pitched for the Detroit Tigers. And he would tell me quite regularly when we talk about the skill of a major league baseball player, he'd go, oh, my gosh, my brother was way more talented than me. Huh. He gave up uh, back just before college. And so in that interest, it's a picture yeah. of what you're saying. Lots of talent, but not enough push, not enough ambition, not enough resilience and grit to take him over the finish line. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let's think about it another way. So this is sort of a, a, a metaphor if you will. Uh, stadiums are starting to open back up, right? And yeah. so you can go to a stadium, you can watch a major collegiate or even yeah. professional game. But think about this. The next time you're sitting in one of those massive stadiums, watching one of these ultra-talented athletes take the field, there is a very real possibility that the most naturally talented, most naturally gifted athlete in the whole stadium is not on the field, but actually in the stands. Mm. Isn't that a possibility? For this very real reason. Yeah, for this exact about. reason. Yeah. There are so many young athletes, I think, that have given up. And it's not just athletes. We see it in uh, almost all areas, right? Athletics is just a really easy example to pick on. Uh, but there are so many athletes who have given up uh, that those on the field might just be the ones who actually were the ones who worked hard enough yeah. and long enough to stay where they are. They're defined by their resilience, not necessarily yeah. defined by their talent. And if you think about so many different industries, business industries yeah. and everywhere else, where that's actually the truth. We see that time and again. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, Andrew, I want you to talk to us today. I'm going to um, just kind of nudge you along the way, but you've got five stories that are just great pictures that um, our listeners will be encouraged by and can tell themselves. Yeah. So let's do story number one. Uh, there's a young man by the name of Jeremy 
Poinsino. That's an interesting last name. But talk about Jeremy and talk about how his story really inspires. Yeah, Jeremy Poinsino is actually his father is from France. That's where that uh, name comes from. But uh, at 19 years old, Jeremy was a collegiate golfer and he started noticing something weird. Uh, it was like almost overnight, he started to have to squint in order to see basic signs on campus, right? And he was like, this is really weird. He goes to see an eye doctor. Uh, in just two months after seeing several doctors, his sight was almost completely gone. Wow. Uh, so he went from totally fine two months later. He almost completely lost his sight. And he has a condition that basically he's not, it's not like he sees black. What he sees is a really big fuzzy blur right in the middle hmm. Uh, of his vision. So he can see color. He knows whether it's day or night, but he can't really see uh, uh, anything Specifics, through it. details. Yeah. yeah. So Jeremy, at that point, was a very talented collegiate golfer at 19 years old. And so he made the assumption that many of us would, my golf career is over, yeah. right? Sight is a pretty important skill when you think about golf. Um, but remarkably, he actually didn't give up on golf. He was about to, mm -hmm. uh, but his mother one day said, I want you to come with me to the driving range. He is legally blind at this point. And he's like, why? What's the point? And she said, I think that you can still do this. It's just going to look a little bit different. <laughs> no and pun intended. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It is going to look a lot different for you. Um, and, and so what he, what he, he made a deal with himself. He said, fine, I will go. But I'm going to take 20 swings, and if I don't hit, if I miss the ball even once on those 20 swings, I'm not going to keep going with this. Mm -hmm. He hit 20 in a row at the driving range, okay? Uh, so he begins to go, you know what? There might be something here. And he finds out that there actually is blind golfing. That's a sport that you can play, and there's a, a, an international competition. And so he starts training. Uh, with his father, um, and he began his career as a, a blind golfer. So they set off on a journey to get ready for the World Blind Golf Championship. Wow. His first year ever doing this, um, and he, he says actually that uh, golf is a, is a single-player sport and blind golfing is a team sport. So you've got to mm -hmm. have somebody with you who can help direct you, and it was actually uh, his father who actually became his kind of coach and guide along the way. So he enters this tournament, and not only did he uh, play in this tournament, his very first year, he won the whole thing. Oh, my goodness. It's an amazing story of somebody who went through just a really terrible tragedy and having this uh, condition, but he was able to go, you know what, I'm not going to give up, and he found a way to, to succeed. You know, what I love about this story is I, I'm thinking there's a lot of us who are listening, me included, who are working with young people who would say, I know just the person who needs that story. There's some sort of... Um, I don't know, disablement or what, I'm a, I'm a type 1 diabetic, I yeah. mean, so I'm not handicapped, but it's easy to hide behind things that are not quite perfect in order to not do a goal. And here's a guy that said, no, I'm going to do it anyway. And, Absolutely. And he wins. That's crazy cool. Yeah, it is awesome. All right, so give us, give us story number two. This is, a, this is a great one as well. Yeah, this is amazing. So this is Alcindo Sores. He comes from the island nation of Cape Verde, which I never even heard of. It's, a, it's, a, 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 its own nation. It's off the coast of Africa. And it's a, it's a very poor country. Um, and he had a passion for becoming a professional athlete, for getting in shape and all of those things. But he had zero access to an indoor gym where he could work out. And so what he started doing was going down to the beach of this island nation and just working out in whatever way he could, you know, push-ups and sit-ups and running on the beach. And he started doing that every day. Well, one day while working out, he noticed that there was garbage that kept washing up on the shore. Huh. And... Uh, 
because of his sort of visionary mindset, he noticed, well, you know, that piece of garbage kind of looks like a like a bar. And that piece of garbage is really heavy, kind of could be a really good weight. And he starts to pick it up and organize it. And he uh, uses rocks and he sections off a, a part of the beach. And he actually builds a gym on the beach made up of garbage, okay? Wow. And I mean, this is stuff you got to see to believe because it actually, when you see it, it actually looks like a gym, right? And you get closer to that you know, weight, weight that he's lifting and you realize, oh, that's made up of trash, right? But uh, what's so amazing about this is that pile of refuse is now a fully functional outdoor exercise center that he has opened for the community and it is completely free. So his dreams of, of getting in shape and working out, he looks really good because he works out every single day. But not only does he do that, he's also offered something to his community. So many people have wow. found exercise and health and a purpose uh, through this. So uh, it's just a really amazing story of somebody who's t- literally turned uh, trash into treasure for his community. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what I love about this story is it's a picture of grit and resilience for sure, but he benefits others. It's not just for his betterment, but in the end, lots of people get the benefit of his grit. Absolutely. I love that. Cool. Let's do a third one. Katie Cook. Okay, this one's really great. I'm going to say that about all of these. these this one's yeah, really yeah, great, yeah. too. Uh, Katie Cook is a 20-year-old competitive runner from Dublin, Ireland. Yeah. Um, and early in her life, I think around nine years old, she was diagnosed with an aggressive form of epilepsy. Uh, she experiences about 14 seizures every mm. single day. That's they just heavy. shut her down, and she yeah. falls and yeah. uh, all those kinds of things. So it's a, it's a really terrible condition that she's dealt with, but she actually, that 14 seizures per day has been reduced. She used to have about 19 or 20 seizures per day. And the whole reason she's been able to reduce it is because she discovered her love for running. Uh, Her exercise routine that she does, the competitive running uh, that she does has actually helped her begin to increase her health, reduce her seizures, and actually uh, help with her condition. So with the help of her her neurologist, who doubles as her running partner, uh, Cook has uh, set off on a course to become a competitive runner. So she actually has competed in several uh, races, and uh, she's got them all on her wall in her bedroom of all the uh, different races that she's able to compete with. Regularly, while she's running, she will have a seizure. So she'll literally have to stop, uh, fall down, have her seizure, get back up, take a, a, a sip of water, a breath, and keep going. And that's exactly what she does. Um, but with each seizure, she's able to bounce back and keep going. And she discovered that for her running, competitive running especially, has been the antidote to this huge obstacle ah, that she faces. Wow. So the very... Uh, disadvantage became an advantage. I Uh, think so. Yeah, that's so powerful. But again, it's the same picture of ambition and and patience. It's just, that's just so cool. Yeah. Wow. All right. Talk to us about Nick. Yeah. So Nick Santanastato, it's a hard name to say. It's got a lot of letters, but he's an amazing guy because he is a bodybuilder, even though he only has one appendage. Let me say that again. He has one arm, uh, and so he's missing both of his legs and his other arm. Wow. And even the arm that he has, he only has one digit on it. So he, it's not even, he doesn't even have all yeah. five fingers. So he is a 20-year-old uh, bodybuilder, 
and a motivational speaker. So he's youthful, he is full of life, and he he loves to be fit and active. He's in great shape. Uh, but you, if you spend a little bit of time with him, you realize how extraordinary he is. He was born with something called Hanhart syndrome. It's a rare genetic mm. condition that manifests itself with either unformed organs or unformed limbs. Okay. And in his case, yeah. all his organs are fine. It's his limbs that were unformed. So he was born like this. Uh, uh, as I said, he has one arm and no legs. Um, and he very well could have seen himself as limited. Most of us in his situation probably would. But instead, he, he thought, how far can I go? And he spent so many years trying to find purpose um, that he actually said, as he began to start working out, he met people who would come up to him in the gym and say, I am going to be here every single day from now on because you've inspired me wow. so much. And he said in those conversations, when he started kind of turning his life around and getting passionate about this, that that actually was the first time he realized that's what my purpose is. I am here to inspire other people, to show them uh, that your circumstances don't determine your outcomes. Yeah. What an amazing story. That really is. That's And again, I see this in- inspiration. I'm benefiting someone besides me or beyond me. And now he's inspired because he's inspiring others. Absolutely. That's so cool. So, yeah, our final story is going to sound very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. um, Because this is one of our close friends here at at Growing Leaders, Timothy Alexander. Uh, He goes by TA a lot of times, and you can find him online at Inspired by TA. Uh, He is a good friend of Growing Leaders, has been for a number of years. And he is also a story of inspiration and resilience. Uh, He's one of the most amazing people I've ever met. If you don't know his story, uh, he grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. He was a star tight end on the football team in high school. He was being recruited by Alabama and Florida and many other uh, SEC schools. And it was during his senior year on the way to a football game that he was in a car that was involved in an accident, and it left him paralyzed from the waist down. And for many years, or sorry, for many months, rather, uh, he dealt with depression, um, suicidal ideation, all of the things that you would expect going from this uh, kid who was so excited to play football in college and even in the NFL, and all of a sudden your dreams and your life change uh, overnight. Well, Timothy had a dream one night as he was beginning to recover from both the physical pain as well as the the mental uh, health issues he was dealing with. He had a dream that one day he was going to be playing football again. And so he got inspired and said, you know what? I'm going to go out for the football team. I'm in a wheelchair, but I'm going to go out for the football team. He actually went and bought some shoes shoes to go. He actually, I think he said he rolled into the sports store and said, I need some football cleats. And the saleswoman said, what for? (laughs) You know? Uh, But he said, I'm going to play football. And that's exactly what he did. He enrolled at the uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham. He rolled up to the football coach and said, I'd like to come out for the team. The guy looked at him and said, Okay. And I think at first they didn't know exactly what this guy was about, but they figured it out very quickly. Yeah, I think some didn't even take him seriously. They thought, well, bless his heart. Yeah. You know, bless his heart. Isn't that what we say in the South? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. But he's in a wheelchair, and yet that does not stop him. Absolutely not. So uh, Timothy shows up to practice, and for every drill or anything that he cannot do, he gets down off of his wheelchair, and he does push-ups and sit-ups the entire time that everybody else is working. And he actually tells all the other guys, if you get tired and you're drilling, you feel like you can't do it anymore, you look over at me because I'm not going to quit. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a reminder to you that you have the ability to not give up too. Well, obviously, he earns a spot on the team. They, they give him a jersey and all of that. But about a year later, they made it super official. He became the first 
uh, paraplegic to earn a D1 football scholarship, full ride to yes. be at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. It's such an amazing story. And he never played a down. No, uh, he did not. On, on, on game time. But boy, has he been an influence on that team. Absolutely. In fact, uh, he's graduated many years ago now. Um, he's an, uh, an inspirational speaker and yeah. uh, motivational speaker, but he actually still works with the team at the University of Alabama, yeah. Birmingham. He is the character coach, and I yes. think that is the perfect role uh, for what he does or what he does. So, um, yeah, it's just one more amazing story of these guys. What I love about Timothy's story, actually there's a million things I love about his story, but one is his trust before he was injured was all in his body. He was going to make the college scholarship and maybe a professional career yeah. all on his body. When his body was taken away, he had to pivot, yep. and now he makes his living, and he's married now. Yeah. And, and remember, his wife made him get out of the wheelchair and get on one knee to ask her to marry, and he did it. He, he did it. He trained and trained and trained to get out of the wheelchair to, uh, to ask her to marry him. It's just an amazing story. He will not quit. He has the best attitude, I think, of anybody I've ever met in my life. I absolutely agree. Well, all five of these stories, as I said, we're going to put the links to these in the show notes. There's an amazing video for each one of these. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to encourage you out there, if you're a coach, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, if you're a leader, uh, use one of these stories, maybe yeah. all of them throughout yeah. the year, uh, and show them to your students and just remind them uh, you have the ability to, to shape and change your life. Andrew, this is reminding me of a movie that I saw recently. You may have seen it too. It's a streaming movie that's out right now called Coda. Yeah, uh, children of deaf adults, and uh, it's a great story of this young girl. Her whole family is deaf. She's the only one that you know is able to translate and so forth. But she wants to be a musician. She wants to be a singer, and of course, none of them appreciate that because they yeah. can't hear. Yeah. But uh, the, this transformation of both her life and her family's life as she exhibits, no, she could go to a music school and become this great, great person. But again, it's it's the um, the ability to see beyond your current circumstances yes. and exhibit three characteristics. I heard this as you were telling the five stories. One is ambition. I've said that before. I don't know if you can have perseverance or resilience without ambition. Yeah. I want this goal. I totally agree. Number two, patience. It's easy to have ambition for a week. I yeah. had ambition for the drums for a little less than a year. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so patience, I got to be long suffering, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. And then lastly, perspective. I've got to see something beyond just the pain I'm feeling in the gym or whatever I'm doing. So ambition, patience, perspective. I love that. It's a new app that we can put to use. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not saying. Okay. <laughs> it's just like you to come up with an acronym, man. I love it. So close this out, Andrew. Yeah. Well, th the reason this is such an important topic for me is I think back on my own life and I have my own story of yeah. um, not necessarily failed resilience, but really just uh, there's a question in my past mm -hmm. where I wonder what could have been. Uh, when I was 14, I was a freshman in high school. I tried out for the soccer team. Um, I actually showed up early on a Saturday morning. I think it was right when high school started, so I don't know any of these guys. And it was a two-hour tryout with all the other hopefuls. And up till that point, right, all of my uh, soccer days had been through elementary school and middle school, right? Um, and even though soccer had been a love of mine, I don't know if I ever really saw the level of competition that I experienced mm -hmm. on that morning before that moment. Um, and because of that, I don't think I was as conditioned or as ready for the level of competition and intensity that was going to be there. And because of that, I didn't make the team that fall. 
In fact, uh, there was just a handful of us that didn't make the team. And so uh, it really crushed me. And it crushed me so hard that I actually decided, you know what, maybe this is not one of my skills or gift yeah. areas. Uh, and it's true. Uh, there were probably more talented people around. But I, I do wonder, uh, I, I have a regret that I wonder if I had worked harder, if I had expected uh, greater competition, if I had kept practicing and pushed myself and tried out for the team next year, would I have made it? Yeah. Um, and that's a thing that I think about. And I, I basically have to acknowledge that I'll never know the answer to that question, right? If I had spent time with a coach one-on-one, if I had worked harder, if I had, um, you know, tried to expand my game, uh, I'll never know. Um, But this is the thing that I want to make sure doesn't happen to our athletes, doesn't happen to our students, doesn't happen to our kids, where they they didn't put in the effort, and so they have to live their life Mm -hmm. wondering, did I miss out on an opportunity? Did I not discover something uh, about myself? I think that's what resilience brings, is it brings us the opportunity to discover what we've got on the inside. And I want that to be the story that our students experience. Yeah, no doubt. Awesome. This has been great, Andrew. Thanks for the stories. Again, the show notes are, are available, but uh, close us out now and uh, we'll let the let yeah. our listeners go. Thank you, Tim. Thanks so much. Well, if you're looking for ways to be even more intentional about building some of the skills we're talking about, resilience being the big one here, but even in uh, responsibility, character, decision-making, critical thinking, all of those things, do you know those are actually all competencies of social and emotional learning? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's lots of SEL programs out there, but we're big believers in the one that we have. It's called Habitudes. Habitudes uh, are simply images that form leadership habits and attitudes. So we use images, metaphors, and stories to teach life skills just like resilience. If you'd be interested in finding out more about that program, head on over to growingleaders.com slash SEL, growingleaders.com slash SEL, and you can find out more about this program, Habitudes, and how you could start having fun while teaching about skills like resilience. It's actually a whole lot of fun to do this. Uh, As always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get this podcast. Uh, That gets the word out about what we're doing. You can quite literally get the word out uh, by sharing this with somebody that you know. If you found some of these stories inspiring and you want to pass this along to somebody you know, we invite you to do that. Uh, If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you've got ideas for this podcast, stories you want us to tell, people you want us to interview, or just topics you think we should discuss, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those from you. Uh, Tim, thank you again for leading us and for giving us that really good acronym. Uh, Guys, go out and inspire your students to have resilient stories this year. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 